Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, Revolution, a verse-by-verse study of the book of Acts. Here's Pastor Nick. How many of you have ever heard the saying that, you know, people don't change, that a leopard can't change its spots? How many of you ever heard that said before, that people never change? Once a liar, always a liar. Once a cheater, always a cheater. You know, that's what people say, that a leopard doesn't change its spots. But perhaps the most basic fundamental teaching or truth that Christianity espouses is that People can and do change by the power of God, that God can intervene in somebody's life and God can change a person, that God can even reach anybody. He can transform people. He can make them into new people. In our study today, we're going to be seeing that principle in action in the life of a man named Saul. The title of today's message is Pursued by God. And here's what we're going to see in this section. First, we're going to see a lost cause. Secondly, we're going to see the God who pursues. And thirdly, we're going to see a changed man. So, a lost cause, the God who pursues, and a changed man. Let's begin by talking about this man who was a lost cause. You know, I was looking through some of my old yearbooks uh, a while back. And in one of my yearbooks, I found an interesting note, you know, from somebody who had signed my yearbook. His name was David Larson. And this is what he wrote in my yearbook. He said, Nick... You are the most evil person I know, but you'll probably become a pastor. Have a good summer. David Larson. So how many of you know a person who you would say that person seems to be a lost cause? It seems that they're so set in their ways. They're not open to hearing about anything. They're never going to change. They're just a lost cause. How many of you have ever thought, you know, sure, yeah, God can do anything. God can reach anybody. Except for that guy, right? Or that, or that woman, right? God can reach anybody. It, I'm not really sure about her though, right? Uh, she's just not interested in changing. How can somebody change if they're not interested? She, she just doesn't listen. He, he has hardened his heart so much. Nothing is getting through to this person. It just seems like there's nothing that can be done. It just seems like he, she, well, they're just a lost cause. In the history of people who were considered lost causes, let me tell you, there were very few who were a greater lost cause than this man named Saul of Tarsus. Please read with me from Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so if he found any belonging to the way men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. We first met this man, Saul of Tarsus, back in chapter 7 of this book of Acts, when we saw that he was an enthusiastic supporter of the execution of a man named Stephen, who was a leader amongst the early Christians. Saul and others, they believed that Stephen's beliefs about Jesus constituted blasphemy. See, Stephen and the other Christians, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They believed that Jesus was even God himself come to earth. And Saul, he saw this as blasphemy, as did many of the Jews. And Saul personally oversaw the execution of that man, Stephen, back in chapter 7. You know, amongst the Jewish 
establishment of that day, Saul was a rising star. We know from other writings that Saul was a student of the famed rabbi Gamaliel, who was a very prestigious teacher of that day. He was considered the teacher of teachers. And so to be a student of Gamaliel was a very prestigious thing. Saul, we also know that he became a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish religious council at a very young age. He was a rising star in Judaism and he was extremely zealous for the Jewish faith. In his mind, Christianity was a plague. It was a cancer of false teaching which was spreading and growing amongst the Jewish people of that day. And like any disease, Saul's view, Saul's opinion was that Christianity should be dealt with swiftly and severely and without mercy. And so we saw at the beginning of chapter 8, the last chapter, that Saul made it his personal mission to eradicate Christianity from the face of the earth. And, and what he did to do that was that he led groups of people and they would go house to house looking for and arresting anyone who espoused to believe these things about Jesus of Nazareth. And under threat of imprisonment or even death, they would force them to recant their beliefs about Jesus. We read in the previous chapter how because of this persecution that Saul was a, a leader in, many of the Christians who at that time had been based solely in Jerusalem, they began to flee Jerusalem. They began to run away as refugees into the surrounding regions, the surrounding areas. And we saw how God used those Christian refugees as accidental missionaries and did a great work through them. And Christianity, rather than being destroyed, ended up spreading very quickly in all directions. And we see here that the Christian refugees from Jerusalem had made their way up to Damascus. Now Damascus is the closest big city to Jerusalem. It's 130 miles northeast of Jerusalem. And Damascus has always been a multicultural, multi-ethnic city. And it had historically a large Jewish population. So we see that some of the Christian community, the Christian refugees had made their way up there. They had talked about Jesus and a Christian community was developing there in the city of Damascus. And so Paul, he says, well, you know, what used to be just a local problem is now becoming even an international problem to him with this Christian movement spreading. So he says, I've got to go to Damascus. I've got to go find out if there are any there who believe these things about Jesus and I need to obliterate Christianity. But as we've seen, his plan to get rid of Christianity, it had always the opposite effect. Rather than destroying Christianity, it just caused it to spread and grow. So here we see Saul once again, it says he is breathing threats, he's breathing murder against the disciples of the Lord. The picture we get is of a man who is acting more like an animal than a human. He, he's angry, he's violent, he's absolutely convinced of the rightness of his own cause. And here he is on his way to Damascus, a six-day journey from Jerusalem. Right? He's walking six days. That's how insanely, intensely committed he was to persecuting and doing everything he could to get rid of Christianity. We see here that Saul, he was carrying out his work under the authority of the high priest. At this time, the high priest was a man named Caiaphas. And just an interesting side note here, in 1990, a ossuary was found of, that belonged to Caiaphas and his family. And, and the reason this is an interesting find is because this is the first concrete find they found of a person who is mentioned in the Bible. They found archaeological evidence of it, which just bolsters our confidence in Scripture. So Caiaphas, he's the man who oversaw the crucifixion of Jesus. This is the man who oversaw the persecution, the beating of the apostles. And now Caiaphas is giving these letters 
you know, enabling Paul, empowering Paul or Saul to go to the city of Damascus. These are what we would call letters of extradition. In other words, Saul is, is going there with these letters of extradition to find Christians, arrest them, and extradite them to Jerusalem where they will stand trial and they will be punished for their crimes, their supposed crime. Now, what was this supposed crime that these people had committed? Their crime was that they believed in Jesus and they belonged to the way. That's what it's called there in verse 2. And I love that term, the way. You know, this is what Christianity was originally called. Before it was called Christianity, it was known by this name, the way. You know, we're going to see later on in the book of Acts how that word Christian, how the term Christianity actually came about. But before Christianity was called Christianity, the disciples of Jesus, this movement, it was called The Way. And I, I like that name because here's what it implies. It implies that Christianity, being a Christian, it, it's more than just a set of doctrines that you believe. It's a way of life. It's a way of living and a way of believing and thinking. If there's one thing, though, that you can say about Saul of Tarsus, it's that he was the last person in the world who was a candidate to become a Christian. Saul hated Christians. Saul was convinced that Christianity was a cancer that needed to be eradicated. The last thing Saul wanted was to become a Christian. You know, a lot of times, it makes me think, because a lot of times you hear people talk about how they found God, right? They were they were looking for God really hard as if it's a kind of a game of hide and seek and God was hiding somewhere really hard to find and they just kept trying and trying and trying and finally they persevered and they found God. It's a great and wonderful thing when people are seeking God, but here's the thing. What about all the people out there who aren't seeking God? Because I'll tell you what, there's, there's quite a lot of them. What about people who don't want anything to do with Jesus? What about people who, don't, who aren't interested? They don't want to hear it because that's who Saul of Tarsus was. And maybe you know people like that in your own life. Maybe you're married to somebody like that. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's a child, a grown child or a dear friend. They don't want anything to do with it, right? They don't want anything to do with Jesus. They're not interested. They don't want to hear about it. Maybe they're even aggressively opposed to it. Right? You know what it's like. You have those people in your family and they make a scene at the family gatherings at Thanksgiving when you want to pray for the food and they make a, you know, make a scene about it. I have people in my own extended family who you know, because I'm a pastor, because I'm a Christian, they are so adamantly opposed to Christianity that they just don't really have anything to do with me. And if you can relate to that, if you have someone in your life who you love with all your heart and you wish so much that they would embrace the gospel, but it just seems like a lost cause, then I want you to pay close attention to this story. If you would have asked Christians in that day about Saul, they would have said, Saul, that guy? No, that guy's a lost cause. I mean, he's completely hardened his heart. He's totally closed to the idea of even considering Jesus. But what we're going to see is that even though Saul didn't believe in Jesus, even though Saul hated Jesus, Jesus loved Saul. And Jesus hadn't given up on Saul, even though Saul didn't want anything to do with Jesus. And even though Saul wasn't seeking Jesus, Jesus was seeking Saul. You see, that's good news. See, Saul was decided against Jesus. But what's so amazing, what's so wonderful, what's so surprising is that even though Saul had decided against Jesus, Jesus had decided for Saul. You see, and that, that brings us to our second point, the God who pursues. Okay, please read with me from verse 3. Here's what happened on that road to Damascus. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. This is Saul of Tarsus. 
And suddenly a light from heaven shone all around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Nick Cady of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'll get back to the remainder of this message in a moment. We are open for in-person worship on Sunday mornings with services at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Come grow with us on Sunday mornings, online or in person at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Now, back to Pastor Nick with the remainder of today's message. Somewhere on the outskirts of Damascus, Saul had an encounter with the very last person in the world that he ever expected to meet. And this encounter, it changed his mind and it changed his life. This experience was not something Saul was looking for. It was not something Saul was seeking after. It wasn't something he wanted to have. And it was completely outside the box of what Saul even believed was possible. You see, most rabbis at this time actually taught that God no longer spoke to man directly. And that there was no such thing as divine revelation, at least not in that day anymore. They said that was a thing of the past. Past eras gone by. But now God God doesn't speak to people directly. God doesn't do divine revelation anymore. And Saul probably shared that opinion. It was the widely held view of the day. But here he is and he's experiencing something that he doesn't even believe is possible. Something supernatural, a divine revelation. God's speaking to him directly. Saul didn't believe in Jesus. In Saul's opinion, Jesus was a dead man who was killed and rightly so because he was a blasphemer. But here's Jesus risen and speaking to him. Saul doesn't believe in vision. Saul doesn't believe in supernatural stuff. But here it is and it's happening to him. What can he do? You see, Saul was decided against Jesus, but Jesus had decided for Saul. I tell you what, that is good news. Because what it says is this, that God loved Saul so much that God pursued him. God went after him. God got his attention by knocking him on the ground. Because that's what it took to get this man's attention. You know, sometimes you'll hear people talk about how, you know, God loves you and he makes the gospel available to you. But you know, if you don't want it, well then, if you're not interested... You know, I mean, God's, God's cool with that. I mean, what's he going to do, right? He's not going to hassle you over it. Or he's not going to bother you. You know, he's just kind of, he's like a telephone solicitor, right? He's just kind of putting it out there. But if you say no thanks, and he says, okay, cool, I got it. I'll just move on. But the thing is, that's not the picture of God that we get here, is it? Saul of Tarsus, he heard about Jesus, and he didn't say no thanks. He said, no way. No way will I ever believe that. No way will I ever follow him. In fact, I will do everything in my power to oppose Christianity. But Jesus didn't just say, okay, Saul, that's cool. I'll just move on and do something else. I was just letting you know about the opportunity, you know. No pressure. Sorry for bugging you. No, Jesus said, no, no, no. I'm going to go after you. I, even though you don't want me, I want you. And God pursued Saul. And we could say that he violently confronted him in a way that challenged everything that Saul previously thought and believed about Jesus and about Christianity. He knocked him to the ground. He made him blind so he couldn't see. And he spoke to him in an audible voice and said, Saul, what are you doing? You know, maybe you're here today. Maybe some people will listen to this on the radio. And you have decided against Jesus. But in spite of that, let me tell you this. Maybe Jesus has decided for you. And it's time for you to wake up to that fact. I love this story because here's the thing. Saul didn't choose Jesus. 
Jesus chose Saul. But here's the thing I want you to notice. Even though Jesus chose Saul, Saul still had to choose Jesus. That's what we're going to see in this next section. You see, the story of Saul's encounter with Jesus, it's actually told three times here in the book of Acts. This is the first. The first time, and then we're going to see this story told again in Acts 22 and again in Acts chapter 26. This story is also mentioned two or three times in other places in the New Testament. In other words, this is a story that God wants to make sure that you know about. And and why? Because I'll tell you this, what happened to Saul, it's not an everyday occurrence, but yet there is a way in which this story is true for each and every one of us. Because truly, this is the story of the gospel. The Bible tells the story of how God created all things. He created man and woman. He put them in a paradise and they knew him and they walked with him, but they rebelled against him. They rejected God. But their rejection of God, it didn't change the fact that God loved them. God never stopped loving them and he loved them so much that he pursued them. He pursued them. He pursued us. He pursued you to the ends of the earth to the radical extent of leaving heaven to come to earth, becoming like us, dwelling among us, speaking our language, walking our streets, and finally dying as one of us in our place in order to save us. You see, this is the story of the gospel. This is the story that's true for each and every one of us. It's the story in each of your lives. God has pursued you. You see, it's not that God is hiding. If anything, it's that we are hiding from God. But the good news of the gospel is that God is a God who pursues because that's how much he cares. That's how much he loves. I'm sure many of you could tell stories of how you weren't even looking for God in your life, but yet it seemed that God pursued you. God drew you to himself. You see, here's what the Bible says. It says in Romans chapter 3, this kind of radical statement, right? It says, there is none who is righteous, not even one. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned aside. Now that's so, such a strong statement, is it? What is that talking about? What it's talking about is that for all people, our natural inclination is not to seek God, but to run from God, to rebel against God. And that's what Saul was doing, like Saul. But here's the good news of the gospel. That no matter what you've done, no matter how much you've rebelled against God, no matter how many regrettable things you've done, God still loves you. God hasn't given up on you. And God won't just passively wait for you to come to him. No, God is a God who pursues. And he will pursue you. He will do whatever it takes to get your attention. Even if that means knocking you down. Even if that means blinding you for three days. You know, maybe in your own life you can say that I can see that God has tried to get my attention before, right? God has sent circumstances into your life that knock you down, that make you dizzy, that set you flat on your back where you, you can't even see straight anymore. You're disoriented. Now, do you know why God is doing this to Saul? Why is he pursuing him? Why is he knocking him down? Why is he getting his attention? Is it because he's angry at Saul? No, not at all. Quite the opposite. It's because God loves Saul. That's why he's intervening in Saul's life. That's why he's doing whatever it takes to get Saul's attention. He says, Saul, Saul. You know, whenever you see that in the Bible where you see a name or someone calling out to someone twice, what that, you know, the connotation there in the Bible is that this communicates a sense of passion, a sense of fervency. And this is an impassioned plea from Jesus to Saul. Saul, Saul, God is trying to get this man's attention. Now the question is, 
I think he's got his attention now, right? I mean, he knocked him down, made him blind, light shone all around. He's got his attention. The question is now, how will Saul respond? Because remember what I said just a minute ago. Saul didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose Saul, but yet Saul still had to choose Jesus. You see, the question is, now that Jesus has got Saul's attention, what's Saul going to do? How is Saul going to respond? And I wonder if any of you in here, maybe God has done something in your life in order to get your attention. How will you respond? Because yes, God pursues, but yet at the same time, a response is required of us. And I want you to see next how Saul responds. Now that God has his attention, he responds in a wonderful way. I'm going to read you this verse from the New King James Version, and I'll tell you why in a second. So here's how this verse, these two verses, verses 5 and 6, go in the New King James. It says this, He, Saul, he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now, the reason I read this verse out of this version is because the New King James Version and the King James Version, they both include two lines in verses 5 and 6 which are not found in other translations. And some of you will even have little notes in your Bible that say, you know, these words are included in some translations. Now, we can be sure that these words were indeed spoken because they're found in the two other accounts of the same events in Acts chapter 22 and 26. So we can be confident that this is what happened. But here's what I want you to see, that this is Saul's response to when God got his attention in this radical way. Saul responded by asking two questions, which are vital. They're vital questions for every one of us, for every human being to ask of God. The first question he asked was, who are you, Lord? And the second question he asked is, Lord, what do you want me to do? I think just about everybody has questions that they'd like to ask of God. A Gallup poll was taken several years ago in which people were asked to choose three questions that they would ask God if they had the opportunity to ask God a question. And these were the top five responses of the questions that people said they would like to ask God. Number one, they said, will there ever be lasting world peace? The next question is, how can I be a better person? Third question, what what does the future hold for my family and for myself. Fourth, they asked, you know, will there ever be a cure to all diseases? And the last question, the fifth most popular question that people want to ask God is, why is there suffering in the world? These are the top five questions that people want to ask God. Now, you know what I find interesting about these questions is that in one way or another, all of these questions are answered in the Bible, right? Like we already, God has already answered these questions. The answers are found in his word. But let me tell you this. If you really want to ask some good questions of God, ask these two questions. Who are you, Lord, and what do you want me to do? Those are great questions to ask of God. When God got Saul's attention, Saul responded in the best way possible by asking these two questions, the two questions that all of us must ask of God. Who are you, Lord? Now, that seems like a simple enough question. should be simple enough to answer it. But here's the truth. If you really want to know God in all of his mystery and all of his grandeur, if you really want to know his heart, that's a pursuit that will occupy your entire life. This man, Saul of Tarsus, he went on to become known by another name. 
Paul the Apostle, right? Saul being his Hebrew name, Paul being his Roman name. And this man, Paul the Apostle, he's going to become a missionary. He's going to become a pastor. He's going to be the one who brings the gospel to Europe and shapes history by doing so. He will be used by God to write much of the New Testament scriptures. And this man would write decades after this, later on in his life, that the pursuit of the answer to this question, who are you, Lord? He spent the rest of his life seeking that. To know God, he said that was the the pursuit of his life. Even decades after that, he's still seeking the answer. Who is this one who was revealed to me on the road to Damascus? Who is this one? Paul would write in Philippians 3.10 that this was the goal and the passion of his life. Decades later, he's still saying, I want to know him. I want to know this one who, who appeared to me on the road to Damascus. He's so glorious, so magnificent, so wonderful. I want to know him more. I want to always come back to who he is and what he has done. Who are you, Lord? That's the first question, to say, who are you, Lord? But the second question is this, Lord, what do you want me to do? Have you ever asked that question of God with all sincerity in your heart? I would guess that many people don't ask that question with with complete sincerity and openness because on some level they're afraid of the answer. But let me tell you this, it is actually the safest, it is the smartest thing you can ever do with your life. You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, Visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com.